Okay, we are live. Greetings, Runs of the Apocalypse. Welcome to Podcast at Ground Zero, Episode 50, Supernatural Apocalypses. Not Supernatural Apocalypse, the TV show, but we're talking about Supernatural Apocalypses in a broad scheme. You know, even though I'm sure people would love us to talk about the Supernatural show, uh, what was it, Jan and Dean, or what the hell their names are? (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Uh, yes, go ahead and screw the names up. To pretend like you don't watch every episode and don't read all the fan fiction. Uh, yeah, go ahead. But, you know, we believe you, Jared. You're not You're not a Sam and Dean shipper. Oh, Sam and Dean. Okay, Sam Jan and, and Dean. Dean. That was a, wasn't that a musical group in the 60s uh, or 70s? Um, I, I hope not, is all I've got to say. No, Jan and Dean, no, I think it was. I've only seen part of one episode of Supernatural. It was the, it was the episode... That uh, my products from Dagon Industry are in. That's the only episode ever. Yes, yes, the one where they they totally uh, fucked up H.P. Lovecraft. Yes, uh, the idea that he's sitting in a typewriter typing his stories with a loaded handgun and a bottle of bur- what do they think? Do they think he's me? I mean, uh, is that what they think? They're they're they're, they're they're always watching, sir. They're always watching you. Uh, <laughs> it really felt like is like really that's your H.P. Lovecraft as opposed to like I mean because that, that comes off like. I can see Robert E. Howard doing that, or uh, or uh, or uh, Hunter Thompson, or yeah. you know, uh, this is not exactly a you know the 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 teetotaling you know uh, nebishy um, <laughs> teetotaling nebishy guy doesn't really work for me as as pistol in one hand and bottle of rot gut in the other. That was all right. So, anyways, but so, yes, super this, supernatural apocalypses. Yes. Yes. Speaking of Lovecraft. Uh, who features highly in that subject. What else have we got for the nice folks out um, there in uh, TV land? So, yeah, so and is for those of you just joining us uh, for the first time, I am Jared the Apocalypse Nerd Wallace. I forget that we have to do introductions, yeah. We, have to, we always got to do Jared the Apocalypse Nerd Wallace and my co-host, Adam Baum Glancy, folks. Yay! So, uh, you know... When I was on, um, uh, what was it, uh, the Friends of Jackson Elias, they actually had, you know, sound effects so they could, they, you know, do we, do we have sound effects on the, on the terrible Google Hangouts thing? Can we make sound effects like applause? Yeah, but on this word that if I do anything besides just stream this, it'll fucking break it and crash. Oh, so. that's a good point. <laughs> that's a good, never mind. Don't do it. You yeah, know, so we always had trouble with Google uh, Hangouts. So, so, folks, if you didn't hear... Episode 50. This is our 50th episode. Golden. Which is why it's all about the Golden Girls apocalypse. Yeah. Ha ha. We've tricked you. (laughs) So uh, 50th episode, Supernatural Apocalypses. Uh, Oh, I can uh, totally see B. Arthur as, uh, you know, as uh, Immortan Joe. Can't you? uh, Yeah. 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 Uh, and, and, and Betty White is 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 Rictus Erectus. That would be even better. <laughs> All right. Well, maybe it's just me. Stop talking, co-host. But uh... <laughs> all right. Um, uh, a couple things uh, for folks. Just some interesting side notes here. I've been playing. Uh, well, of course, we all know that. Fallout 4 is upon us. It is out. Scott doesn't hear about it. Oh, I have nothing really to add. I don't have it. Scott doesn't have it. But it's out there, and everybody else is playing it but us. Uh, yeah, I, I, 
I can't play it because number one, I have too many projects to finish uh, out there in the world from Delta Green to, you know, um, Horrors of War. Uh, really, I should put it the other way around because Horrors of War gets priority. But that stuff's got to get done. And if it doesn't get done, there'll be a lynch mob. So I'm afraid the boss, the, the Commonwealth Wasteland is just going to have to wait for me. Um, and, and I'm just waiting because I still have a lot of other games I haven't finished, and also I had to put stuff on my Christmas list. So I put it on. I put it on the Christmas list, and, and you know, and also a new game like that, it's going to go on sale after Black Friday. So get it, get it cheaper. But um, yeah, it wouldn't. It wouldn't hurt to wait a couple of months, just to be smart. Wait a couple of months and get it with all the DLC, all the uh, all the bugs, all the bug patches. You know. It, Exactly, exactly. But I have been playing my uh, – I've been actually grinding away at Mad Max, uh, the game, lately. And, uh, again, it's okay. Like I said, you know, I've been playing it for a while now, and I like uh, – I just like driving around in cars and hearing the engines rev. You know, it's just – I don't know, I just like that. But How does it right next to things like Re- uh, Rage, which had a whole – vehicle component i mean you know how's it great different it's you know it's it's different um it's okay it's like all those games they get to be just kind of grind away level up you know accomplish the tasks you know like most video games it's it's just the aesthetics and the different things you could do but uh one of the cool things i noticed and i wish i would have known seen this when we let's 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 go back folks let's go back to our episode about apocalypse chow Something I didn't think of, and they do this in the game, and I find it very interesting because in the in this universe of the game, food is scarce because you know as things dried up, people killed animals for food. There was no water. Blah blah blah. Maggots are a big source of food, so basically they just like have corpses that they have laying around in a corner, building up like colonies of maggots, and they eat the eat the maggots uh, the maggots for protein. It's totally not cannibalism. We're not cannibals. We're just eating the maggots. They're eating the maggots. They're not eating the corpses. They're eating the maggots. And I was like, wow, that I, I actually found that pretty interesting. You know, there's, that, a, there's a scene in Gunter Gross's The Tin Drum. I think it's a tin drum where everyone in Hamburg is starving until after the Battle of Jutland when suddenly there's this giant, like, you know, increase in the number of eels in the area because of all the dead sailors at the bottom of the North Sea, <laughs> a giant influx of waterlogged corpses and the eel population has suddenly gone up. Or There's something like that where, um, you know, the, the big, big, there's more to eat because there's more dead people to attract animals, to attract, yeah. It's, 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 it's solid thinking. You know, like I said, the idea of, like, just taking a corpse. I mean, it could be an animal corpse, any corpse, so it – you know, having maggots breed and you eating them for a source of protein. I'm like, I really thought that I was like, that's actually pretty interesting to me. I, I was like, wow. I was you, really know what, wanting- you know what it solves? Uh, and it's on anything, really, on any animal. It solves a refrigeration problem. You know, yeah. um, there's that movie, Into the Wild, where the guy goes off and tries to be, you know, I'm going to go off the grid and live in Alaska and ends up starving to death and dying in the cold in the, of Alaska. And uh, at some point he kills a moose. But he can't, you know, it's a whole moose, and he doesn't have any way to preserve it. So it goes bad in a day or two, and, and he has no way to, to smoke the meat. Or he doesn't 
he's not able to get it done with quick enough before it starts to rot and the, the meat is automatically useless but the maggots wouldn't be yeah you know the maggots wouldn't actually be useless uh you'd hate it but it wouldn't be useless yeah exactly it's we're in survival mode here, so I just again I just thought it was a very interesting component of the game, and I'm like, I've oh. never I've never seen that done in fiction uh, or games before. There I'll give him credit for that. I've never oh, yeah. seen that before. Exactly. I, I I saw that. I'm like, wow. It's like, oh, man, I didn't think when we were talking about food, we we're like, oh, we're gonna cultivate this and that. Well, what about before you get that going? Maggots, yeah. maggots, yeah, well, everybody. <laughs> You know, uh, it's funny that one of the one of the eediest games I can remember actually for me was Metro twenty sixty six, where oh, yeah. they showed you all the time the the mushroom farms, the pig farms that were in the galleries and in the the tunnels of the subway system, yeah. mushroom vodka. You know, they made a, they made a good point of showing you some of the uh, some of the what the chow was, even if you didn't like get to experience as a game mechanic like uh, like Fallout does. Yeah, where food suddenly becomes a mechanical element of the game, but that's cool, sir. But in in Mad Max, it is a mechanical element. Does it? Is it? Does it? Oh yeah, oh yeah, because because you have to you have to eat to get, you eat and you eat and drink to gain your health back because you lose your health pretty easily from uh, getting your ass kicked and car crashes and stuff like that. So food sources are maggots and cans of Dinky D dog food. That's it. <laughs> Only Dinky D survived the apocalypse. That's it. That's it. That's the only. That's the only canned food. Clearly, clearly, they had no options for Twinkies, like on Family Guy. Nope. That's unfortunate. Was it Family Guy or was it? Yeah. Um, that was Family Guy. It was Family Guy. Okay. So I thought. So I thought that was an interesting component, and I was like, you know what? It's like, man, I wish I would have seen that when we did the food episode all that time ago. But I wanted to bring that up. And uh, what else? Uh, just oh, I, I I got a game coming, uh, hopefully next month. A board game call, uh, which will be available for retail. They produced enough extra to go retail on it. Was uh, it's called Post Human. It was a Kickstarter that I backed. Yeah. Uh, Post-selected board game, board like, tile board game. You're trying to get to a destination. You're the last of humanity because humanity's you know basically mutated and you're trying to get to this one last haven uh looks pretty interesting i, I uh did a demo of it at uh gen con my copy's coming uh they have like solar rules they have like it's generally two to four players they'll have uh they have an expansion to go up to like five or six players it'll be out i talked to the guys at gen con once the game uh gets to backers and it's able to go to re go to retail i'm gonna try to get them on the show to see if we could talk about the game because i don't want to talk about the game like oh here's this really cool game we got these guys going but you can't get it so once it's available for uh, you know to distributors i want to get them on talk about the game excellent then, yeah so uh so that's coming and uh i just backed a it's not gonna be out for like a, a year because you know how kickstarter is a game called um uh Black uh, Blackout. It's a dungeon crawl tile game, kind of like uh, Hero Quest or the new one by Fantasy Flight. I, I always forget the freaking name of it, but um, but they have a game like that out now. There's a bunch there on uh, Kickstarter, but it's a post-apocalyptic tile uh, game. And the guy, the guy actually was one of the. This is his first board game, and he's he was actually one of the, the developers on uh, Fallout Three. Uh, the guy, so. 
he's got some experience in the apocalypse. He's got a lot of really great ideas for expanding this universe and more and more adventures and missions and stuff. So um, that just closed. It's going to be a while till that comes out. But uh, as that gets closer, I start getting some more information. And, you know, a year from now when I get it, we'll talk <laughs> talk more about it. So uh, that was only major post-apocalyptic uh, news I had. And just oh, just another thing, another uh, a beef I had, which I've been thinking about because um, – well, you know, again, you know, Walking Dead has started up again. Been watching that, and uh, they had an episode, and finally, somebody got fucking smart. Because here's one of the biggest problems I have with that show, and a lot of post-apocalyptic shows is, okay, yeah, I know there's zombies everywhere, like everywhere, but and there's not a lot of people left. Why the fuck are you guys running out of ammunition and having to use freaking, uh, you know, sticks and clubs? You know, there are so many police stations out there. There are National Guard armories, not as many, and military bases, but definitely police stations are a lot more accessible. Why are, don't people have heavier heavier armament? You know that really that really bothers the fuck out of me. You know, because um, like the guy Morgan, because you've seen the earlier episodes, like earlier seasons, the Morgan. Remember when he's in the town and he's like clearing out the town? He has all the traps set up for the zombies, and he has yeah, his whole fucking place is full. He's of tool, He's tooled up completely. And, why isn't anybody? Why wasn't anybody else? Well, when Rick goes to the police station and tools up, I think one of the problems was is that was written at a time before we acknowledged the the the, the military surplus thing about small police departments. That there's that system. There's that system with the DOD that maybe be taken apart now. That may be going away. Where all this military surplus was ending up with small police stations through the Office of Homeland Security, this anti-terrorism gear for tiny departments, you know, who picked the stuff up because it was super cheap and it was kind of cool, but it really didn't help to police, you know, it really didn't help with active policing, you know, in their, in their community. So I think that was written at a time before we realized that some of our small police departments might be swimming in M4 carbines you know, and full body armor and the whole nine yards, you know, the whole, all the tack gear. But even if they aren't totally overflowing with military gear, they're still going to have, if they have SWAT teams, they're going to have automatic rifles. They're going to have some snipers. They're going to have stuff, you know. Yeah. You yeah. know, I, I don't understand why people don't have more stuff. That, that, that always kind of bothers me. But even, uh, and, and especially because what we're talking about is, okay, yeah, in big cities, they're overrun. Okay, and it's yeah. tough to fight your way in or gut your way in when you cover yeah. yourself with your zombie guts and hope it doesn't rain. Um, that's all, you know, cool, but yeah, but and those are inaccessible. But you know, a lot of military hardware is out, you know, separated um, from the general population. Now, there's going to be problems where, like, they might be overrun with zombies because everybody came to the police station or the military base for shelter. Like what happens in um, the remake of Dawn of the Dead. Yeah. You know, where they make the point that they brought in everybody they could get there. Everyone who was still not a zombie yet, and they brought in people who were infected, and the place base blew up from the inside out. Now the question is, where do zombies go after they turn? You know, unless one zombie starts moving and they create that, you know, those herds or those flocks or whatever, they tend to mill around. So if you've got a place that was a safe zone that went under, Maybe it's going to be a hot spot like a hospital. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So there's good reasons why maybe 
that doesn't happen, but they never explained them, did they? No. No one ever said, let's go to a police station. Like, nope, don't go to a police station. They're they're wall to wall around police stations, you know? Yeah, yeah. Show us. Show show us why they haven't done the smart thing. Yeah. So 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 that's that's been bothering me. But uh, and the only other thing I got is uh, then we'll go on to the So topic. did they fix this? How did they without too many spoilers, can you tell how they fixed this 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 Oh no, of- well no, he uh, uh what's his name? Uh oh god, what the hell is his name? The Not red Rick. Hair. Oh, with the red oh, hair. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Abraham. With Abraham, with the mustache like you have. Um, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> the big handlebar mustache. Yeah, another redhead with a fucking handle, you know, biker stash. Okay. Um, he just came across an army vehicle that had some stuff. And I'm like, really? Finally, after 100 seasons, you know? <laughs> but anyway, so there's that. The other, other thing I got is um, Big Finish Productions has released season three of Survivors, you know, the ra- the radio, uh, the uh, ra- the dramas that they've been doing. Yep. Uh, I picked it up. I'm on the second part. Uh, again, excellent as always. Great stuff. Um, you know, it's like to do the digital download, it's like 20 bucks, but you're getting like, you're probably getting like four to five hours uh, worth of stuff. I don't know exactly how much it is, but it's uh, – it's quite a quite a bit of data, uh, so it's it's a probably it's probably close to five hours, I think. So it's it's to me it's worth it. I've I've listened. I bought the other two. Fantastic. Uh, this one's good as well. So again, Survivor is one of my favorite uh, series. I know Scott's uh, maybe one of the well. maybe the best, maybe the single best, most watchable post-apocalyptic series. Yeah, no, no, you know the original folks by Terry Nation, not the remake in two thousand nine. You know. Uh, but yeah, because again, it's plausible. You know, the vi- a viral pandemic is is in the plausible range. You know, so that's all I got. Just a couple little things I wanted to throw in that I came across. So let's uh, unless unless you have something, I, I think that I, I don't really think I've got any good uh, uh, perfect apocalypse things. Uh, I started checking out some um, podcasts that got uh, recommended. Uh, one of them led me to something, something called Limetown, which is a, a sort of horror micro-apocalypse. But it, um, it's not supernatural. It's a science apocalypse. But it's a micro-apocalypse. Um, and it's about an investigative report trying to find out what happened to everybody in this one town in Tennessee. Hmm. And it's called Limetown. And uh, 300 residents disappeared, and now people who the FBI couldn't find are reappearing to sort of tell their story about what happened in Limetown. So that's the basic deal on Limetown. They're supposed to do seven episodes or up to four. Some of them are pretty good. Some of them are not. Sometimes the voice acting is awesome. Sometimes it's not great. Uh, That one's not quite on target. There's another one called The Message. It's much shorter. It's like six episodes or about 10 minutes a piece, where Limetown is 20 to 30 minutes a piece. Uh, The Message is about 10 to 12 minutes a piece. It's uh, done like a, an actual War of the Worlds broadcast where there's actually somebody, you know, doing their podcast during what is developing into an apocalypse. Okay. And the apocalypse is uh, the message from space. It's, it's the, we got the message that meets all five of SETI's criteria for contact with the extraterrestrial species and people who listen to it die of some respiratory ailment or some percentage of people 
come down with this respiratory ailment where they just stop breathing. They have to be put on respirators. And uh, that's unpleasant. Well, we'll just stop listening to the message. And then people start coming down with it who haven't listened to the message. And maybe this is just one of those, you know, step one of some alien terraforming where the first thing you do when you're going to rehab the house is get rid of all the rats. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, they're, they're going to get rid of us with something that's, you know, going to make us fall over and die in a way that won't be, you know, mess up the house too much. So it's kind of an ongoing apocalypse, although it's, uh, again, it's an ant's eye view. But they're both very entertaining uh, podcasts. I'd give Limetown and The Message uh, a listen. I believe they both can be found on SoundCloud, and they can both be found on iTunes. That's that's all I got. Again, it was called The Message and... Limetown. L-I-M-E-T-O-W-N. As in, the town built over a series of limestone caves. Hmm. 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 Nothing ever goes wrong when you build your town over an ancient series of limestone caves. Never. Well, when you said lime, at first I started thinking, oh, there, there's a chain of shitty Mexican places called lime down here. Yeah. That was the first thing I thought of. I'm like, I'm like yeah, that actually would be a sign of the apocalypse because it's just terrible. So. <laughs> Great. <laughs> I don't know if I want to be anywhere near the Mexican food apocalypse. That sounds... <laughs> oh, that's, that's a whole other show. But that sounds runny. That just sounds watery. <laughs> it's, I think it's explosive, too. Yeah. So, uh, all right, where are we? Supernatural! So, supernatural apocalypses. Um, you know, the first thing I want to say about supernatural apocalypses is that it's a little bit of a tough subject because supernatural apocalypses although there's a shitload of them in fiction, they're usually the kind of things you stop from happening and then it never happens and you never get the follow-through of the supernatural part, right? Yeah, you never see what happens next. You just get the threat of it, but then somebody puts the book in the thing with the cross and the antichrist and the stab with the knife and the, you know, and poof, the problem is solved, right? And everyone can go back to their, to their normal lives and their PlayStations and you know, their drive-thrus. Oh, yeah, because, you know, because uh, a lot of uh, supernatural apocalypses, well, I mean, because, well, I mean, a supernatural apocalypse, what constitutes a supernatural apocalypse? Yeah, yeah, you yeah. yeah. Ghosts, ghost, vampires, werewolves, a lot of it's, a lot of it's very, sorry, I just heard a lot of noise outside, but it's, it started pouring rain all of a sudden. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, you, you, what? You, you think it's rain. They're scratching to get in, Wallace. They want in. Well, dude, I'm uh, this window's like fifty feet in the air. If they're scratching to get in, I'm in trouble. Uh, <laughs> the hand just giant hand just comes through, pulls Wallace off screen. Ah! <laughs> oh, oh wait, no. clear, clear, oh! yeah, clear, clearly you shouldn't have taunted the supernatural apocalypse. I see, it's a bad idea. Um... But you're right; it's got to be something that's outside of science. Yes, a lot of times biblical stuff fall, biblical falls under that. Oh, yeah. Um, but it's got to be outside of science. Uh, Ragnarok. There's yep. a good, there's a charming supernatural apocalypse. Classic, classic yeah. apocalypse. Yeah. Um, certainly all the religious apocalypses sort of fall under it, uh, fall under the thing of supernatural apocalypses. All the end of days and, you know, rapture and stuff like that. Um, the, um, uh, the thing is, is that uh, again, they don't they don't turn up too much in something that you see all the way to the end. Like you, 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 there's there's few examples. I would 
the, you mentioned one. I'll let you have the, the, the Carpenter one. But I was going to say the Left Behind series, um, which I have not read, but my wife dug into and actually read every single book of the LaHaye Left Behind series. And she was, uh, uh, you know, sort of fascinated with the way they built their apocalypse, uh, mostly because they didn't it, – it was shockingly unimaginative and completely literal. Um, when, you know, the insects show up from the pit – uh, they have the faces of men and the manes of lions, and they have all the exact quote from Revelation. You know, they don't, they don't, they almost never, they, there's no metaphor, you know, mm -hmm. in, in, in that series. Everything is absolutely literal. Um, but that one's an apocalypse that you see the whole thing of. You see the rapture, then you see the rise of this Antichrist, and you see the you know, the, the war uh, culminating in the Battle of Armageddon, I believe. Um, uh, so um, that's one where you actually get to see the whole apocalypse. I mean, it's not terribly, and again, unfortunately, it wasn't terribly imaginative, uh, from a, at least from a, a fiction point of view. Um, but it does, it, it is an apocalypse that show you every, every blow, everything that happens after the apocalypse starts, you know what I mean? Rather than just show you the ramp up to it and then it gets diverted because Buffy or the Winchester brothers or the protagonists in a whatever story, you know, divert it or save the day, Hellboy stops yeah. it from happening. Yeah, that's the thing. A lot of it is it's it's uh it stops like even uh John dies in the end, isn't that kind of uh again another stopping of a Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. And, and except that it's uh, it's hard to tell where their science and where their supernatural starts and John dies in the end because a lot of it has to do with um what is multi-dimensional might be look like magic. Yeah. It's, again, that's something that may fall into that category. Um, and also, uh, of course, uh, I think the whole. Cthulhu mythos falls under that uh, kind of pre-supernatural pre apocalypse because, well, I guess the it's going to be, are they really supernatural? They're a lot of times viewed as supernatural, but we really know they're just pan-dimensional uh, beings, you know. Well, there's a, I guess the magic aspect. Makes the it ritual, kind of supernatural. Yeah, the ritual magic aspect of the, love, of, of the Cthulhu mythos certainly drives it back into uh, a supernatural event. Um, but you're right. The uh, great old ones might just be aliens, just really nasty, ugly aliens. Um, but as opposed to gods, as opposed to deities or whatever, or demons and angels. Uh, but most of those stories are also, you know, definitely set in a pre-apocalyptic setting. There's very few that, that give you, and here's the aftermath. Um, well, there's also another, uh, another one I just thought of that again, stops it suppose um it was how was it the seventh the seventh seal was oh like, uh, like, was uh, it not 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 was it johnny depp was it johnny depp in that or you're, you're thinking of uh you're thinking of um uh the ninth gate was johnny depp and it was ninth not, gate the ninth it, gate yeah it wasn't you. uh that wasn't an apocalypse but then there was a demi moore flick uh which was like the seventh seal or something like that uh which was Jürgen Prock now is Christ. I'm going to go ahead and say that when it comes to the apocalypse, if Jesus comes back as Jürgen Prock now, yes, you've earned 
God's wrath. That is a clear sign that the Almighty is pissed off if he sends Jurgen Prock now back to sort shit out. Um, and that one was definitely a pre-apocalypse. Um, uh, yeah, well, again, again, like I said, a lot of them are pre-apocalypse. Here's what I thought of, because it had vampires, but it may, again, it may, it may be more of a science, was uh, Life Force. Life Force is definitely a, a miniature apocalypse. Uh, it could be, it, it's aliens, though. See, it's aliens that we think are vampires, as opposed to, although... Yeah. You know, the science in that was like alien space bat science. I mean, it's so, the science is so wonky, it might as well be magic. Yeah. You know, um, I guess technically speaking, does that mean Shadowrun is post apocalyptic? Because there's a crazy, magical, supernatural change in the world. Mm -hmm. People become the, the metahuman races, people mutate into the metahuman races. Magic comes back. There's dragons, you know. And it's a world after that apocalypse. Now, but, the world, but the world hasn't collapsed, though. It's still there. True. It's post-apocalyptic. It's just that the apocalypse didn't reset everything to zero. Um, but it's, maybe it's a dystopia. It's a, it's a post-apocalyptic dystopia where shit's still running, you know, that's a good example. So things are still running, but it's not the it's not the total reset. Again, one of the big things with apocalypse, as we've said, is that a big thing about apocalypse is, is the loss of people. Yeah. The, the, the loss of people, and with the loss of people, the loss of knowledge and skills. It's about, you know, the, the, the biggest factor is is you know is the, the loss of uh, the clearing out of humans, the emptying of spaces. That's a big factor in what we think of as, as apocalypses. Oh, yeah. A lot of it, like you said, setting, like hitting, oh, let's hit the, let's reset the, uh, let's hit the timer. Let's set back to zero, you know, yeah. hit, hit the, re, the, hit the counter, like the, re, you know, put it to zero, 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 you know? Yeah. Um, as far as things that showed you some post-apocalypse, um, I just thought of one. <gasps> the, the Seth, uh, was it Seth? Rogan, yeah. This is the end. Is yep. absolutely a supernatural apocalypse, and it ends. I mean, it doesn't end in a uh, in a you know we're gonna get along and get through this. It ends in an absolute final, you know, judgment of mankind, where you know you either go to hell or you go to heaven. And perhaps the point of that world is that that world is hell. You know, since you don't see anybody go down to hell, but you see people get horribly killed you know all over that film or or horribly uh violated by demons with large uh, oh my god that yeah i'm like yeah well yeah way to bring up the giant devil cock that shows yeah. up in the last what 10 minutes of the movie giant lot giant floppy john holmes lava cock that that was that was a surprise i'll admit I did not see that coming. That no, no, that I'm was, not, no. I'm not even talking about that one. I'm talking about when what's his name does something bad, and the demon breaks into his room and uh, violates him. Oh, and, and it, it makes him want to end. <laughs> oh, oh, I forgot. Oh, thank you for reminding me. I, yeah. Oh no, I I had forgotten about that. Thank you. I think uh, I think we I think we only saw it like in silhouette or something, you know, because. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I remember that now. Um, but uh, that's one of the few times we actually got a supernatural apocalypse that you saw what the world's going to look like. 
you know, just covered in burning buildings and ashes and firestorms, you know, and darkness. I mean, it gave us a full-on supernatural apocalypse all the way down to the end, uh, to, you know, to, oh, yeah. to, to last man standing. Yep, it had the rapture, it had the demons, hell on earth, the whole the whole biblical fire brimstone start to finish. Yeah, yeah. Even, yeah, even had a rapture at the beginning. Yeah, and the people getting up into ascending even afterwards upon, upon redemption. Yeah. Uh, so um, that's one of the few ones. Um, you mentioned Carpenter, so you go ahead and throw that one out. Speaking of well, well, both Jürgen Prochnow and Lovecraft, all in one tidy package. Well, before I do the Lovecraft one, let's, let's talk about um, or the Carpenter one. Uh, Rand, Randy brought it up, and I was going to mention it anyway, is The Stand. Now, the apocalypse, everybody dies because of a virus, but there's the whole good and evil, uh, God and the devil, you know, uh, supernatural aspect of it. So... Does that fall under supernatural? Because everybody died, the apocalypse happened because of a virus, or did the virus happen because of you know, you know, uh, the devil's influence? You know, how where does it? You know, the the, the what I remember from the book, well, in the TV series that they did back in the nineties, I guess. Uh, yeah. There's an implication that the dark man, that Randolph Randall Flag, is is watching over the facility when the virus gets out in the form of a raven. Um, I don't believe that was ever in the book. There was a sort of an implication in the book that as, you know, Flag walks across the desert in his run-down cowboy boot heels, uh, you know, in his jeans and his denim jacket, that um, that he's been waiting for this, that he's been waiting for something like this, um, that he had been, you know, an agent of chaos and misery and, you know, had been able to, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, join the clan and the black Panthers and the Islamic Jihad and uh, the Jewish defense league. And had always been able to find a way to sit down with any group of people. And they always saw him as one of them. And then he could be the guy who would give them the bad idea about how everything will be better. If just those people over there were dead, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, but um, I don't really remember him being that the supernatural, there was not a suit. They didn't feel like there was a supernatural component to the apocalypse. But if we're talking, but the supernatural is all over the rest of the story. Oh yeah, like right? after after the apocalypse is all there. Yeah, um, right down to the fucking hand of God smiting fucking <laughs> Las Vegas like it's Sodom and Gomorrah. But you know, I haven't read the expanded. I haven't read the expanded stand. I've read through it a little bit, but I haven't uh, covered it. Covered it. Uh, so I'm not sure if I remember if they if King changed it up so that there was a more definitive role for Randolph flag, uh, in the, in the, in, in Trixie, was it called? No, it wasn't Trixie. Trixie is, um, is, uh, uh, uh the crazies. Um, yeah. if the super flu, getting the super flu Cap out, Captain, Captain, Trips. Captain trips. Um, I don't really remember if, uh, uh, a larger role for him in that, but yeah, it is in the post-apocalyptic world. The supernatural is, is a huge factor. Yeah, in that story, so it's it was kind of brought upon, maybe without it, but it was there afterwards. So if it, it, it could fall into that category, now, two, I, I mentioned two things. I'll bring two of those up here. We were talking about before is uh, John Carpenter's in the Mouth of Madness, supernatural apocalypse for sure, because you're getting all the, you know, 
the writer Sutter Kane is writing these books. It's affected people's minds. He's trying to bring these great old ones back into the earth. He's out, these outer gods, and there's all this shit that's going on that it ain't science for sure. It is definitely some kind of magic or well, it is, yeah, it's, it's, it's like magical. It's almost like magical thinking that if you believe in it, it'll happen. And his point is, is that since more people read his books than the Bible, the world is now going to be driven by belief in his books. So, you know, whereas when everyone had read the Bible and the Bible, then the, the, the power, we were living in a world where if there was going to be an apocalypse, it was going to be that apocalypse. But I've provided a new mythology, a new, you know, gospel for everyone, for everyone's minds to shape reality, I guess. Is what yeah, because, you know, everything that was in the books, you know, shape-shifting and changing and the gods coming through and, you know, like the end of the broadcast with everybody, um, you know, mutating and uh, the fires going on out of control and like the bodies bubbling and changing and forming. So it's definitely that's you know because that it, it go it all goes to shit. You know? It's absolutely not. It, you can't call. There's no science in it. I believe you're right. There's just yeah. it is it is surreal. It's a surreal apocalypse. That thing where he tears open the page of himself. You know. Yeah. Um, that one bit where he says to, where Jurgen Prock now says to uh, Sam Elliott, "Have I ever mentioned that my favorite color is blue?" Uh, you remember that? Where you know he's nah. having, yeah, you know, uh, not Sam Elliott, but um, I've suddenly forgotten the name of the Australian actor. I should remember because he's been Satan. <laughs> he's 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 done some apocalypse. He's been in a couple of these apocalyptic movies, uh, like the the Omen. Um, but yeah, the guy wakes up and the whole world is turned blue. Everybody in the in the bus is blue. Outside is blue, just because he wills it to be. You oh know? yeah, yeah. That's you know? okay. Okay, that's right. So it's definitely another. That's another completely supernatural apocalypse that yeah, you get to, that you get to see a little bit of that supernatural apocalypse, a little bit. Uh, but it's a bug's eye view. Yeah, so I definitely think that falls in that category. And then I mentioned um, the uh, the signal. Oh, no, I'm sorry, uh, the pulse. The pulse. Pulse. Yes, the signal is definitely sort of a technological problem. Yeah. But the pulse. Tell them about that because I have not seen the pulse movies, and I know that it was a Japanese film first, and that it's been remade in, in America. Which which version have you seen? Oh, uh, just the American version. I only saw the first one. Uh, basically, it's these like these hackers discover some kind of code and they kind of break, they, they get this, uh, this code and they break that breaks through to the other side, you know, the, you know, the spirit world. And once they've, uh, broken through the, the, the dead on the other side want us, they want our bodies cause they have, we have life. So basically they hack, they, they get this code and then, it, then they, then the ghost, uh, prompt it, you know, getting pushed out, uh, everywhere. You know, so other people are accessing it, opening it. Um, so they're coming. All these ghosts are coming through, and it's and it's, but it's, but they come through technology because it has to be like it comes through like through like electrical lights and computers and cell phones and anything with technology. You know, they they these ghosts are able to then hack into and come through to our world. You know, and in in um, so a couple of our characters escape, and like as they're like leaving. A major city where all this technology is, you can see like the ghosts, you know, like 
inhabiting all they're just everywhere it's like they're coming through to our world so mm-hmm. and they have to like leave the city to go to where there's no fucking technology basically they got to get out of cell phone range mm-hmm. is what they is what they got to do they got to get away from the technology because that's how they come through okay into, into our world now and again sure there's technology involved but it's absolutely a supernatural problem oh yeah it's ghosts because ghosts spirits and they're all pretty there was not a friendly there was no fucking caspers trying to get through at all yeah your your grandmother doesn't want to talk to you and tell you where she hid the family fortune they just want to hurt you yeah no they they want your life they want life back again they want your life that's it um you know uh we talked about I Am Legend a while back, and certainly there are a number of, um, there are actually a couple of vampire apocalypses that I can mm-hmm. think of, where it shows you life after the vampires have taken over. Um, now, I Am Legend, I don't really consider that supernatural, because Richard Madison went out of his way to make vampirism scientific, you know, to explain how it was a disease, how the various things like crosses were just, you know, psychosomatic uh, things. But um, uh, I think, uh, you know, I think of the, um, uh, I think the film was called Daybreakers, uh, which was um, uh, a vampire apocalypse or a post-apocalypse because it was, it was, it was, it was after they, they had conquered and it was the world after that. Yeah, it's it's uh, uh, Willem Dafoe and uh, Ethan Hawke and Sam Neill. That's the guy who was in. Yeah, Sam Neill. So uh, they've they've won, and we've been reduced to lobotomized blood banks. And then they have a food crisis. They have a disease that wipes out their food supply. Um, that's that's absolutely. I don't think they ever because if they don't get their regular food, they transform into mindless monsters you know bat wings the whole nine yards i always felt that one was more supernatural apocalypse than scientific oh yeah because it's uh vampire like vampire vampires like you said in the richard matheson he science he, he made it scientific you know like like it was a it was a it was a disease it was a yeah. um a viral thing where they're that i think that movie was it's all just they're they're vampires and and you were saying that and the surface world, there was, you know, the, the world was just a, 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 in ruins, an apocalypse. So, so it definitely... It definitely oh, I'm going to echo. 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 Okay, thank you. So, Sorry. Yeah, no, no, no. So, the, uh, yeah, the, the world above is, you said, because uh, I, I didn't see the movie. I mean, I saw a lot about it. But we said the surface world was definitely like just in shambles. It was like the people were like living in living in the ruins, living in the in the streets uh, because of the vampires. But they were living high in the hog, you know. So down below, uh, so well, it's maybe a well, I wouldn't say it's a. Would we would we say it's maybe a dystopia, vampire, a supernatural well, dystopia, maybe? Except on the surface, it's post-apocalyptic conditions. Yeah, on the surface, there's you know, tiny little knots of people. It's got that depopulation. De- de- uh, de- um, and as far as the vampires with their city or culture, or whatever it is, it appears to be only one location. You know what I mean? It's oh, okay. not like there's a vampire 
cities Network. on other continents or they're working in, in concert with each other or there's international trade in blood between the vampires there's just they're like their underground city is a lot like the domed city from uh um, run yeah yeah uh so they're like you know they, and, and they're definitely definitely you know it's all a metaphor for the one percenters you know and for peak oil and for uh the folks who are you know uh they're, they're, they do have that aspect of it that's very much post-apocalypse, that there's a – everyone else is, you know, looking for Dinky D and maggots, but there's this one group that's all cut themselves off from the problem, you know, and has survived living in a world that looks like everything's cool. Like, you know, like the guys in the bunker uh, in Boy and His Dog. Yeah. You know, uh, while everyone else is scrounging around on the surface, they're those guys who – not just sat it out, but live in a world where they pretend everything's okay. You know, yep. nothing has changed. Parade, par, par, uh, picnics and parades every day, you know? Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. and except this time, the guys who are pretending nothing has changed and everything's fine are the fucking vampires. You know, that's interesting. Which, again, brings me, you know, speaking of vampires, I didn't much care for it, but there was that movie Priest. Which was set in a post-apocalyptic oh, world. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was another vampire apocalypse. Um, but which again, I don't know why. It just didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Where it's like, hey guys, remember that war we fought against the vampires? Or there's still some left, and they're coming back. And the you know, and the people who whose whole power structure is based on fighting vampires go, nope, nope. There's no such thing. We can't see it. You know, we're just gonna pretend it's not happening until they're up here biting our faces. That. That weird bureaucratic intransigence where they don't want to see the problem. I know that shit happens. They just didn't give me any reason in that movie why it's happening. You know what I mean? Why well, are they? they I, just, think it was, I think. I think also it was a wasn't that an, it wasn't that an adaptation from a comic or graphic novel as well. I believe it, uh, it might have been. Yes. Um, yeah, that one didn't do me any favors. That that's why I think a lot of times these things don't make as much sense because it's like. All right, not that graphic novels don't not make sense, but graphic novels are just tend to be, you know, because they're graphic novels, a bit over the top. So yeah. it translates into an over the top movie, you know, or, or you know, they left things out, of, or they gave me a reason. Maybe they gave me a reason in the in the <clears throat> in the graphic novel, but where they've got however many pages over however many months to tell the story, you got ninety minutes for your movie. So you know, well, the, there, there was there, there was one good thing about that movie. Yeah. Let's hear it. Carl Urban. All right. It's always good when Carl Urban gets a paycheck. That was I the only will, good thing about that movie. <laughs> I will agree. And Carl Urban gets a paycheck. It's a good it's usually a good thing. Uh, we you know, especially if you could get another Judge Dredd paycheck. That would be the best. I've heard there's talk of another one. Yeah, well, um, uh, Judge Dredd will have to he will just have to settle for the fact that he's the better of the two Judge Dredd movies. Um, uh, other vampire ones I wanted to throw out was, that were absolutely apocalyptic was there's a there's an episode of the TV show Monsters from the 1990s that had an episode called The Waiting Game where there's a nuclear war. We have our nuclear war, Jared. It's nuclear winter outside, and it's just these Air Force guys in these bunkers spread out around like a missile range or something and they're stuck down there and the one guy's like well we're just gonna have to 
you know, wait until radiation levels go down or, you know, what else are we going to do? And the one guy is talking to this girl who's in another bunker and he's kind of obsessed with her. She's, you know, a couple miles away. And um, at some point, somebody starts knocking on the outside of her bunker. And she lets him in and it's like the communications get cut off. And the one guy who's obsessed was like, oh, I got to go see what happened to her and I'm going to go get her. And the other guy who's been doing nothing except playing solitaire because he's not terribly imaginative is like, you know, don't, don't go out there. It's not procedure, you know, doesn't listen, goes out. He disappears too, but then he comes back, starts knocking on the door and it's vampires with the nuclear winter. The sun's blotted out and they can go out anytime they want. And, uh, you know, that reminds me of, I've mentioned this book. I know, I think I've mentioned this book in the past, there's a book that came out in the uh, in the eighties called Vampire Winter. Oh, no, okay. Tell us more about that because I did not know about that. Vampire Winter, nuclear war. There's, it starts off talking about this vampire. He's living in like a city. I think he's like in like Chicago or Detroit and somewhere there. And he has his underground uh, enclave. Nuclear war happens, and he's like in the middle of a city that's getting hit. He has to get out. Um, he finds that, you know, he's a he's, he's like a real vampire vampire. No scientific reasons for the vampirism, but he survives, gets out. He's having a grand old time because, number one, all the cloud cover, so he can go out in the day. And he has the also the ability to tell if somebody's contaminated by radiation. So he has to, like, select his food carefully, you know, because he doesn't want to get the, you know, because that blood is tainted. Well, if he gets fallout in him, He's just irradiated. Then, yeah. you know, he's, I don't know what that's going to do to his corpse, but it does mean he's irradiated to whatever extent. I mean, I guess. You know. Well, but also your food source is going to die. You got to make sure they're healthy. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, I, I remember you mentioning that before. Um, so the basic bottom line on, on uh, the waiting game is that at the end, you know, the vampires are like, no, there's not, you know, there aren't many humans left except in these bunkers. You know, so they're going from one fallout shelter to another, feasting and adding new vampires to their entourage. Uh, and there's just this thing where he tries to get into the bunker using the code, but the guy inside scrambles the code. And scrambles it in a way so even he doesn't know what the code is. Uh, so you can't, you know, mesmerize me or make me give you the code. And the guy's like, okay, fine. And, you know, gets up on the keypad. It's just zero, 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 enter. Zero 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 one enter and just starts going through the codes one number at a time. Going, you know, we got all the time in the world, Bob. See you soon, you know. And that is, you know, how that one ends. It does not end obviously too hot for you know the guys with all the hemoglobin. Um, but it was another sort of. I don't know that I can count that as a supernatural apocalypse, but certainly it's vampires after a nuke. So it's got that going for it. Yeah, um, and again, vampires in general, unless they give a scientific explanation for it, are essentially supernatural beings. You know? uh, I'm going to hold up uh, Robert McCarran, uh, edited. Uh, Robert R. McCarran, he was a horror writer in the 90s, edited this collection called Under the Fang, which I picked up in 91. And there's a number of, there's a number of vampire apocalypses in this. Most of them, they're all set in worlds where the vampires are in charge. Um, technically speaking, that means that, um, uh, technically that means that, you know, 
we've lost, our civilization is gone. So I guess that's an apocalypse of our civilization. But some of them are more apocalyptic than others. Um, some of them are dystopias and some of them are, are far more apocalyptic. But it's a good collection of, of, uh, of vampire apocalypses for you're looking for something supernatural. Um, what about what about the movie? Um, it's definitely apocalyptic, and it's got vampires. I just don't recall off the top of my head if the vampires were, you know, again, scientific vampires or are supernatural vampires. Stakeland. Ooh, that's a good one. Um, I don't remember. That's a good one. Stakeland is maybe the best vampire apocalypse. Yeah, it is an indie film, folks. And I think we've mentioned Stakeland before. It does suffer at times from indie film indie film syndrome. Absolutely. Yeah, pacing. It, pacing. If you've seen an indie film, you know what we're talking about. It suffers from it at times. There's there's like one really bad part where it suffers from the indie film syndrome, where it's just like, okay, enough with trying to be artsy and move on. Okay, move on. Yeah. Um, Stakeland is really good though, as far as, uh, and, and I, and I, I want to say that Cross has come into it. I want to say that Cross has came into that story, but I can't remember. Um, it was certainly, uh, I, I think it was supernatural because I remember them having to use wood to kill the vampires and not metal. Like it has to be a wooden stake. Like you stab them with formica doesn't help um but that's that that might be i i, I may be blowing that one i completely forgot about Stakeland. it um i just looked at the uh it says when a pandemic of vampirism strikes humans find themselves run run from vicious fear like beasts okay it just says a pandemic of vampirism it doesn't say that it was you know where where it comes from it doesn't say that it was viral or supernatural but the vampires are feral for sure they're yeah. not they're not charming nosferatu you know uh dracula oh come into my lair no they're they're freaking beasts you know yeah. which i quite liked because you know original vampire folklore vampires are beasts yeah um they're they, they if they have any human persona or human things it's it, it doesn't come off as as intelligence it comes off almost like animal camouflage to make you think that you're still one of their family you yeah. know like they can call the names of family members you know to lure them to their doom but it's not because they see you as family they're just it's just like some sort of feeding you know it, it's just the animal using bits and pieces of your memory to, to to bait people into their to their death you know um so i really like the vampires and snake land they're they're what the vampires in um, the original um, uh, I am legend were like. Yeah, you know. Um, uh, other supernatural apocalypses. What else have we got? I mean, obviously we have all the uh, standard Christian ones uh, from Revelation. Oh uh, yeah, but, yeah. The all, all religions have some kind of end of days type scenarios, which is all supernatural. You know, not necessarily. Um, we got them. In, we got them from the Norse. They've got Ragnarok. They have the mm -hmm. Twilight of the Gods. There's never anything like that in. There's not an apocalypse in that I am aware of in Egyptian mythology, in Sumerian, 
Um, well, well, the, well, the Sumerians had the whole. The, that's where they. That's where they got a lot of the original uh, Bible story. You know, like the floods. You know, that destroyed the world. Things that's, like that. That's okay. Uh, I will. I will accept that post Noah is post apocalyptic. Um, that, that's an apocalypse, all right. Um, uh, but um, I was trying to think of uh, you know the, if we don't get that in Buddhism and Confucianism, uh, we get it in Islam. There's uh, there's definitely some uh, branches of Islam, including the uh, dirty fuckbags who just uh, shot up Paris who absolutely believe in an end-of-days-style, apocalyptic, final revelation, you know, and a final, you know, judgment sort of thing. Um, uh, we, get a lot, we, get a lot, we get more apocalypses in monotheism than we do, than I can tell, in polytheism. I'm not mm -hmm. sure why. Um, the Mayans have their calendar run out and their ages end, but they don't really come off like the like when they when we tried to hook the Mayan apocalypse into the Christian apocalypse, you know, and everyone was going, ah, oh, 2012, it's the end of everything because some Mayans calendar is going to run out. You know, um, technically that would be a supernatural apocalypse if we it had some. We had some, uh, you know, the the world runs on a calendar. You know, just yeah, exactly. Just shake your heads, really this. Universe is this big, it's been around for this long, and it's just gonna. Here's the clock that goes ding and says, Okay, oh, okay, that's the, thing. the egg timer's up, time for the world to end, you know. Yeah, <laughs> you know, that's not how that shit happens unless a rock falls out of the sky. And guess what? That wasn't on an egg timer, kids. Um, trying to think of what else I could think of that you know that would fall into um, uh, supernatural apocalypses that where we actually get to see the apocalypse. Oh, wait. There are a few Call of Cthulhu stories. There are a few Call of Cthulhu stories out there. Uh, in fact, there's a collection uh, called, um, I want to say the collection is called uh, uh, Cthulhu Triumphant or Cthulhu or After Cthulhu, but there's, there are some collections of post mythos cthulhu like you know lovecraftian apocalypse um uh there are a few uh, i can remember uh, uh uh two that i'm blanking on the names on um uh, one of them was uh was you know it was very much sort of uh, magical realism, dreamlike sequence of what it's like to be the human scuttling around in the ruins. You know, um, the sequence that really disturbed me was there's a bit where in this story, I always remember this was where some mythos creature goes and takes up shit and everyone runs out to grab a mouthful of it to eat. Cause there's nothing left to eat. There's just, they'd rather, you know, the only, the only nutrients might be whatever didn't get digested and the scat of some horrible mythos creature. And I'm just like, oh, fuck. Yeah. That, that is lovely. That, that is, is lovely. It's like, can we just set ourselves on fire now? Is it time for the fire? Can we just... I think, I think, I think I'd rather eat maggots. Yeah. I'm thinking that the cannibals and the maggot eaters are, you know, I'm like, okay, fellas, let's talk about dinner, all right? <laughs> Who's for dinner? Um, now, I, I, was, I was doing, when I was doing my, some research online, some people mentioned some movies, which you know, like you know, uh, like Pulse. Now, somebody mentioned a movie that I like the movie, uh, but I don't think it's supernatural uh, because it's more science. Is the Mist? 
Yeah, not supernatural. I wouldn't call that yeah. supernatural at all. I wouldn't call it supernatural. It <laughs> seems supernatural. Oh, the mist and these crazy creatures that come from beyond. Nah, it was just another dimension. Uh, yeah, the mist. It's, it's definitely – it's like monsters. It's like the two monsters movies. It's it's alien flora and fauna wandering around Earth, right? Yeah. You know, um, they're not demons. And well, there was a movie Demons in 1985. Uh, That's where, a good no. You that is ab. You got it. The Italian film Demons, right? Mm -hmm. The one that takes place in the theater. Holy crap! Total supernatural problem. No relation to science. And once the helicopter comes through the roof of the theater, oh yeah, it's full apocalypse. It's not just get out of the bad building. It's everywhere. Everywhere. Oh, which suddenly reminds me. The Spanish versions of REC are all supernatural. supernatural. Yep. Uh, REC, even though it's a micro pocket, each one gets bigger, I guess. The the REC films uh, record. I, I guess I should call it Rec. But um, that that the, the the Spanish ones were completely supernatural. I think they might have scienced it up for the American versions, but the Spanish ones was absolute Vatican demonology. Oh yeah, the, yeah, the, the Amer the, yeah, the American ones were definitely science, but I mean, yeah, the original ones were all uh, uh, supernatural, and like you said, they get bigger and they could get bigger and bigger, so it could lead to an apocalypse. You know? Yeah, well, yeah. a wide scale apocalypse. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, the wreck films definitely fall into the heading of a supernatural apocalypse, I, I think. Um, uh, but demons is a and for those anyone out there who hasn't seen demons. If you're a, a fan of Italian horror, and I'm not, there's very few Italian horror I like, but I thought Demons was one of them. Um, yeah, D Demons has got all the things you want. It, you know, it's it's kind of like a zombie apocalypse. It's got some of those tropes. It does get good and apocalyptic. Um, yeah, uh, Demons is an excellent example, sir. Totally forgot about that. Or there's one... Uh... I don't know if it's really uh, again another horror, uh, the Beyond. Oh, I don't know the Beyond. Uh, also released as Seven Doors of Death. I don't know anything about this one. It's it's it's, it's a uh, it's a what's his name movie. Uh, uh, Luigi. Fulci. Yes. Fulci. Okay. Fulci. Okay. Don't know that one at all. That is neither do I. Uh, is gaining uh, murders, I believe. The war a warlock uh, opens the seven doors of death along the dead to cross into the lit. Yeah, it's like you know, some people open up uh, the world to the, the they open up some gates to the world of the dead, and the dead come. Since we're you know what vampires really do cover so much of the supernatural apocalypse, we forgot about thirty days of night. Yeah, vampires. I mean, okay, micro apocalypse because it's you know that just happens right there in Barrow or wherever it is in Alaska. Um, but it has the potential to become more apocalyptic, I guess. Um, there's that one. Um, yeah, I, I like that movie. One of my favorite things in that movie is like when the, when, the, when the chaos first starts and they first come. When the vampires first come to town and they're just on the attack and they do that, 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 that pan back shot where they show the city, like mm -hmm. it starts from a street to houses to larger areas, and you're just seeing like, patches of blood and people running and blowing away. It was like, I thought that was great. Well, you great. love, you love a God's eye view of yeah. the apocalypse. Your, your favorite scene in Dawn remake was the helicopter shot. 
oh, that was over fantastic. the city. We are pulled back, and then you can still see like where our heroine is driving through the streets, and you can see her, but you get this giant panorama of all this crap going down at once, and there's all these stories going on everywhere, you know. Um, it was the same thing with with uh, uh, 30 Days of Night. When you pan back and the whole town's going down, you know, you're like off of one corner, you see one guy with a shotgun who's managing to put rounds into the vampires and knock them down and knock them down, but there's just that one point where I'm out of shells, and then, you know. Yeah. Uh, it's like, whoops. Um, not that the shotguns were helping, but they sound pretty, and they make, you know, nice Jackson Pollocks when you shoot them. <laughs> They make, they, make, they make you feel better. You know? Yeah. Um, uh, you know, in the... There's a film that Randy Quaid was in. I'm not remembering anything about it, but it's called Legion. Uh, uh, it was some sort of... Yeah. They're cashing in on Angels Are Scary and Angels Are Here to Create the Apocalypse or something. Um, it was kind of a... That it's had a, some... That was a 2000, had, 2010 film, right? Yeah. Or, yeah. Um, there was that... Uh, but again, I believe they head off the apocalypse. They don't actually get an apocalypse. In the same way, we don't actually get the apocalypse in, say, um, uh, God, what was that thing with uh, Christopher Walken? And, oh, ah, uh, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm the, uh, the prophecy or something. Yeah, like that? you're or, right. You're right. Prophecy, yeah, the, or the prophecy, because prophecy is a giant mutant bear movie. But, oh yeah. Um, oh yeah. No. Oh, I, I remember seeing commercials for that. That came out like in the seven, like that came out like in the late seventies, early eighties. Yes. Yeah, and it scared the shit out of me. And all it was was that fucking illustration on the cover of like the bear, the bear in the egg shape, uh, you know, <laughs> the bear fetus, you know, uh, with like some heartbeat going in the background. I just remember being in the theater as a kid and pooping my pants because of the the drawing, I, I, the drawing of a bear. They didn't even like show the movie yet, and I'm I was scared. Oh, uh, I I didn't see that back then. Is was too. I was because I was because you know I was a couple years younger, so I I definitely didn't see that, and it freaked me out even more. Eventually, I saw it later in life, and it was just like basically it was just this bear that had like you know psoriasis and scabs and ooze on him. I'm like, oh my god, this is ridiculous. I, why was I scared of this when I was a well, kid? It was a bear suit. I mean, um, uh, to their to their in their defense, it was actually a dude in a bear suit. Um, so at least it was you know a prop. <laughs> but um uh you know uh the one thing i always remember about that was somebody the bear jumping out of a camp and attacking somebody and somebody tries to somebody's in their in their sleeping bag and tries to like either hop away or get out of the sleeping bag try to unzip it and the bear hits them and the guy just spins end over end in his, in his sleeping bag and bounces off a tree and i was like oh yeah that's gonna that's gonna hurt there's a there's a lot of good mutant bear mayhem but it's not that it's christopher walken where christopher walken's playing the archangel gabriel and there's a whole new apocalypse the the prophecy 1995 yeah um that's the movie that decided that angels could be scary and badass and not fucking cherubs and seraphim and choiring and law and you know uh look like girls. No, the angels showed up and they were just horrible and weird and fucked up and, you know. But um, Legion apparently does more of that, only with more CGI and less Christopher Walken. Um, but I, I don't know, having not seen all of it, I don't know, because it did not grab me. 
Well, and anything with less Christopher, anything with less Christopher Walken is not good. Yeah, so. yeah. Um, but um, oh, you know, also there was a um, there was a American. You know, American Dad, the the cartoon. Yeah, of course. American Dad did a did an episode uh, where they basically showed the the apocalypse. It was a mm-hmm. it was a rapture apocalypse. I mean, it wound up being some whole imagination, uh, a fantasy of his, like like something about you know I can't remember like oh I'll be with you for life, but, and then but it was this whole thing about hell on earth, everybody ascended, you know Stan was like a warrior for Christ as they're battling the demons on the earth, so they did like a whole you know, uh, you know, biblical apocalypse episode of uh, yeah. American Dad. I mean, it wound up being just a dream or something, but but they did it at least. Yeah. But again, biblical. A yeah. lot, a lot. Again, a lot of the supernatural stuff all falls under biblical hell, heaven and hell, demons, angels. Uh, I picked up a book from because again, my my wife loves uh, sort of biblical apocalypse stories. We picked up uh, Robert Price, who's a longtime Lovecraft scholar and a biblical scholar put out a book called Paperback Apocalypse. It was all about the history of biblical apocalypse stories and fiction. Um, and, you know, most of those that are written, and most of those that he reviewed were ones that were written for the faithful, by the faithful, to further sort of cement expectations, right? It was, you know, it wasn't to convert anyone. Uh, they're written or, or, or to entertain the mass market. It was mostly you know, written to sort of reaffirm a belief system. Um, and those are, most of those, uh, and I cannot remember many of the things he talked about, but he talked about like, you know, uh, 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 the Omen films and like, most of those are all set pre-apocalypse. Um, they're meant to be like warnings or to mark road posts on the road to the final apocalypse. They don't usually show you the afterwards, unlike the LaHaye books, which actually shows you, well, you know, again, it's, it's, it's not post-apocalypse the way we think about it. It's a dystopia. It's the Antichrist's dystopia is what you get to see. You don't get to see necessarily a, uh, a, a world that has been wrecked by supernatural forces, and now you're going to, to rebuild, you know. Um, that's tougher to come by. Um, uh, again, Ghostbusters, you know, there's. Yeah, I, 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 I thought about it during the week. I'm like, oh, we got to talk about Ghostbusters. For, totally forgot. Thank you. Know, you. When, when Gozer the Gozerian shows up, that is a full on promise of apocalypse, which yep. they stop. You know, um, uh, so it's uh, uh, it, it gets supernatural, but it doesn't give us a payoff because they always have to stop. Um, they stop it. And the same thing with the second one with. Uh, with uh, Vigo, Vigo, yes, uh, and what's his name, McNichol, doing that terrible, terrible fake Romanian accent. You oh, know? Uh, that that's oh, that's that's an apocalypse right there. It was. Uh, I, I did like his sell to um, uh, Gorney Weaver, where he says something like, "You know, there are many side benefits to being the mother of a living god. You could probably get parking anywhere in the city." <laughs> <laughs> Which you know, for a New Yorker, that's I'm gonna say that was probably pretty tempting. <laughs> Parking anywhere? Hmm. Really? Yeah, exactly. Oh um, yeah, just being uh, around Central Park in the Bronx just a month ago. Yeah, I could totally see that. <laughs> you know? Yeah, 
Yeah, that's right. You went and visited family up there. Um, so uh, certainly there's a lot of, uh, there is a lot of, I'm just looking over at, you know, st- uh, my Supernatural uh, books collections, uh, and I'm looking at stuff by, you know, again, um, David Wong, all the Lovecraft stuff, Cody Goodfellow, um, uh, Laird Barron. All these guys are right up on the edge of apocalypses, but they usually do not deliver the final punch. Um, or, you know, their supernatural apocalypses have already happened and we just haven't noticed yet. You know, yeah. um, there's, there's also an aspect to that. Um, one of the, I, you know, I don't know why that is. Um, supernatural apocalypses in some ways feel really final uh, as opposed to the man-made ones. Like there's no coming back from them. They just the, the curtain is drawn. End of story. Once you have a supernatural apocalypse, in a lot of cases, well, um, yeah, especially when you go with the biblical ones, because like that's it. You know, this is how the this is how the world is going to be. Hell on earth is going to rain. Heaven is heaven. See you guys later. You are done. Yeah, you can go any you can go wherever you want, but you can't stay here. Yeah, yeah. yeah those are your, your final judgment kind of things, um, which always bring the story to the end. You know, they always end the story. Um as opposed to being an event with more story to follow. Um, uh, the, um, uh, I was going to say something like, when, when, that was one of the problems with those guys at White Wolf, with they always had an appending apocalypse, right, in the White Wolf vampire games. Yeah. There's always this idea that someday the progenitor vampires, Cain, and the other progenitor vampires would rise and feast on their children and destroy vampire civilization and destroy the world um uh and there'd be this giant supernatural reckoning i they wrote one in finally after you know 15 20 years of of products and everyone hated it um no one was really happy with that because because they didn't want it to happen because they didn't then they made like post post uh you know vampire nuke world and nobody liked that either because everybody everybody wanted it to be you know their you know gothic party forever well, yeah, yeah and and they, when they tried to reboot it it didn't go over nearly as well um uh it's you know what it reminds me of it reminds me of sh- uh, all the standard shipping relationshiping that goes on in tv shows from i guess moonlighting was the very first one that i can remember in my lifetime was uh shepherd and willis where it's like oh will the characters get together or they won't they drag it out for you know season after season as soon as they get together nobody cares anymore you know it as soon as you break that tension you know it fails and a lot of it in, in, in supernatural apocalypse it feels that way like you know we've got to hold off the apocalypse you go to all these great lengths to hold off the apocalypse and it's held off um but if you actually follow through with something with this apocalypse then suddenly you know uh the tension is broken and uh, I don't know what it is about, you know, not wanting to do the man-made apocalypses. We never seem to get that kind of thing. We, you know, the whole point is the story begins once there's been a reshuffling of the cards, you know? Yeah. Whereas the other ones, there's the buildup and the tension. And the, but once that tension's broken, it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, I don't know why there's a difference. With, and I think you're, it, part of it is that because we uh, haven't grown up and, you know, Abrahamic monotheist uh, culture um, we've gotten the, uh, the apocalypse is the end of the story 
It is yeah. absolutely the end of the story. So and that's you know, boring. Who, yeah. Who does, who wants the story to end? You know, we want to see what happens next. You know, uh, that's been always been the appeal of post-apocalyptic fiction to me is, you know, Oh my God, the end of the world, you know, well, what happens after that to be told that we're all going to hang out in an afterlife, you know, and uh, sing Hosanna sounds really boring boring um, oh yeah, yeah exactly there's, there's, there's no the payoff is not exciting you know yeah. there's no you're there's no chance of you to be the warrior of the wasteland driving around in the last v8s you know or yeah or be the guy who rebuilds civilization you know the the you, you can't be davy crockett king of the wild frontier you know, in, in some of these supernatural apocalypses because they absolutely fold out the world of man completely. Oh, yeah, exactly. Especially the biblical. It's like, well, you're either in heaven drinking, you know, heaven ale with angels or you're getting butt raped by demons every day for eternity. You know, I'm going to go, go ahead and point out that there is some really uh, unpleasant old uh, like medieval renaissance descriptions of, you know, what's going to happen in heaven and a lot of them come off as, well, there'll be all kinds of great things. You'll get to watch the uh, suffering of the damned. I'm like, that's a great thing. What? <laughs> you know, it's like, it comes off as super sadistic. Like everyone's sitting around in heaven watching people be butt raped by demons, which, you know, seems a little like maybe they're like demon butt raped too much, but all right. You know, some of those descriptions are, are uh, I, I, I wonder about the person who crafted this description of the afterlife. You know, as a, as a cell, like it'll be great. You'll get to watch people be tortured. Because oh. that's what I like. That's my that's my view of heaven. You know. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, I, get, I mean, not me, not not Jared's, but that guy who wrote it. Yeah. Of course. Meanwhile, you get you know Valhalla, and the afterlife is it's a meat hall. There's a party. You know, <laughs> coming from a culture where the best thing they can think of was a party with lots to drink. You know. That was their best case scenario is that they'd be drinking, there's food, it's warm, you know. <laughs> um, early early Arabic, uh, early Arabic uh, uh, visions of the afterlife are all about like not 72 virgins, but there's going to be grapes and water and, you know, it's not going to be a desert. It's going to be the anti-desert. <laughs> Heaven is whatever a desert isn't, you know, no scorpions in your shoes, no hot sun, there's shade, there's water, there's plenty of food. Uh, there's the kind of food that requires a lot of water. So grapes, like I said, shows up all over the place, things you just do not get in a desert. But um, I don't know, our medievalists are slightly less imaginative and bucolic, I guess. They just want sitting around watching the bad people get punched in the face. That's that's the afterlife. And again, you know, end of the story. You know, it, yeah. it, 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 uh, it doesn't have the appeal of questing on and struggling on and making something more of it, you know? And that's why I always say supernatural apocalypses are definitely low on my list of favorite apocalypses. It's like, it's not something that I particularly am fond of, you know? Yeah. But like I said, supernatural apocalypses are an apocalypse, and this is what we do here. So we need yeah. to talk about it. You know, it's not. I don't hate it or anything. I just don't care for it. It's it's not my thing. There's very um, few of them. There's very few of them that have reached out and felt like they really they really hit home and yeah. they really worked. You know, um, but we've 
we've thrown a lot at this wall. Uh, yeah. so I hope some of it has managed to stick. Um, I have, I'm hoping that in the show notes, uh, when this is up on YouTube, somebody can enlighten us to some that we've missed. Uh, oh, well. oh, I'm sure they'll tell us what we've missed. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's their job. That's their job. Yeah, because like we said, we don't know everything. We act like it, but we don't. <laughs> yeah, we don't. But we don't know everything. And that's, no, I, I. That's fair. Yeah. yeah. No, and I like it when they when, when they comment a lot of times because, again, there's I've I've been told about stuff like oh I didn't know about that that's fucking cool as shit you know it's it's because you know it's kind of a you know, you know we've become kind of a little bit of a community you know we share our you know what we like and talk about and they should tell us and share with us and other people see it you know because we don't we all don't know everything and it's nice to you know to, to come across those things that oh i've never heard of that before you know yeah yeah um uh, i think that's it i think that's all, that's all i've got uh, yeah I, I re- i'm really t- uh, i'm really tapped out on the subject that's about all i can really talk about because i don't re- i really don't again uh you know supernatural apocalypse is definitely my weak linchpin in the whole apocalypse knowledge. That's something that I don't know a lot about. Do we, uh, in the world of micro apocalypses, there are a few other micro apocalypses that are, that are, you know, that are supernatural, but they're more like, here's an outbreak of supernatural nasty. One of the ones that I think of is the silent Hill, the silent Hill game series. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The town is now infested by an absolute supernatural problem. You know, where there's no science in your way out of it. It's a demon. Yeah. The town is possessed by a demonic spirit that was, at least in the first one, it was the demonic spirit that the town had summoned uh, to try and bind and, you know, change the town's fortunes. Um, but, you know, beyond that, those supernatural stories got a little more hazy about what the, the cause of it was. But certainly that one was a good old-fashioned micro-apocalypse. Um, yeah, I mean, if we want to, you know, we want to stretch. We could even say, uh, uh, "Army of Darkness." You know, you know the uh, you know the Book of the Dead, and he reads it wrong, and he opens the gates, and so oh, yeah. Demons, and, and you know, Ash versus the Living Dead. He's on the verge of the supernatural apocalypse, right? Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. That's that's not a show I've been able to follow, unfortunately, because. Uh, they did. They pulled a nasty trick on you. They made it available on demand on cable. You know, I was like, well, I don't have Stars Network. How can I see this? I'm like, oh, maybe I'll just have. No, I look on demand. Oh, you need to subscribe. Oh, you bastard! You tease me by letting me watch the first one, so I'll pay you like another ten, fifteen dollars a month to get the channel. Fuck yeah. you! I'll wait. I'll wait till it comes on Amazon. Yeah, and well, I'll buy it. You know, I'll, I'll buy it when it comes out. I'll, I'll, I'll run it, and maybe I'll even loan the discs. Um, but. Uh, I, I hope I don't doom Bruce Campbell by doing this because it looked like they're doing a good job. The first one, I think they did a good job. They yeah. they had the look, the feel, the atmosphere of Evil Dead. So yeah. hopefully they'll be able to keep that up. Uh, but I said I'm not going to be able to watch it until it becomes available somewhere else. The, the rumor, the rumor on things like IO9 and people who were reviewing things on Kotaku and some of these other nerd sites was that the second episode was great, third episode was a little weaker. Uh, there was some bad CGI, but you know, I've got. I guess in some ways, I when it comes to cheap stuff, I can't. I, I'm not. I'm much more forgiving about bad CGI than I used to be. It's just. Maybe I get grumpier about the bigger your budget is. Oh yeah. You... Well, well, I even saw stuff with the Raimi and them talking. Like they tried, they they really try to do practical effects as much as possible. 
Yeah. Yeah. As much as possible on it. So, and then, oh, oh, and I'll finish off with um, another show that just aired that seems kind of like it was some kind of apocalyptic, but they were very vague. That that new show on AMC, uh, Into the Badlands. Yes. Yeah. Kung, Kung Fu Wild West are like, oh, the wars have been going on forever, and you know the barons have built up, and firearms are banned, and that was it. I, I kind of I watched it last night. It didn't do anything for me. Um, if it happens to be on, I'll watch it, but I will I won't seek it out. I just it just. Well, didn't you were never you were never a wuxia fan. I think that's what they call the wire food uh, in China in, in in Hong when they were making them in Hong Kong was wuxia. Where they'd have the giant leaps through the air and the sword fight, you know, very crouching well, tiger. I, I, well, I, well, I've seen some of it, but you know, I don't need to see it on a week-to-week basis. You know, it's yeah. like, and they weren't as bad as like you know, crouching tiger or anything like that. But how about revolution? How does it? Uh, how did it? How did it uh, fare against revolution, which didn't catch her, despite being post-apocalyptic? Did not well, catch I, it. Well, I watched more. I gave I gave Revolution at least a half a dozen episodes before I just couldn't watch it anymore. This yeah. one, I'm done. It's like it's like I, I won't watch it again. It's like it's just it was I I thought it was boring. It's like people probably like oh it's great the kung fu and the sword fighting and blah blah blah. Not not your cup of tea. Not your bag, baby. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll watch some of that, but it's like it's just it's it's like yeah I've seen it so much, you know. I I, anyway. I, like a, I like a good stunt coordinator. You know, I loved Daredevil. Um, that was a <laughs> that was a TV series where they had some. They let the stunt coordinators off the fucking leash on that one. But um, uh, you know that that can't support the whole story, unfortunately. No. Um, so anyway, so anyways, that's really kind of it for uh, Supernatural Apocalypse, folks. Like I said, I, I'm really I'm really tapped out on the subject. I, I really don't know much more about it. So again. Always in the comment sections. If you have any enlightenment, anything else you could add to it, always do. And because uh, a lot of times I, I read through this stuff eventually, I'll comment on it, and sometimes I'll bring stuff back up. Oh yeah, we'll, we'll shout out if somebody you know can particularly point out something you missed. You always want to shout that out in the next episode or something. Oh yeah, especially if something really cool, you know. So, um, all right. So that's like I said, that's it, folks. That's all we got for this week. Uh, don't know what we're doing next, but we'll be episode fifty-one. So we're all, we hit we're over fifty now. So, yes, uh, our show is now older than I am. I guess if you measured it, episodes to years. Oh uh, yeah, and that's a good thing. Yeah, finally. Uh, uh, our our show our this episode was one of our favorite calibers. You know, there is that too. There is um, that. So uh, I still mean, think we, I still think we should have done the Golden Girls Apocalypse. But all right, you know, fine. No, no, no. <laughs> No, no, no sense of adventure. No, no, I'm not that adventurous. Um, so, like I said, me and me and Scott, will, as usual, we'll uh, we'll coordinate offline and figure out what the hell we're going to do. Um, got to mill it over because it's getting to be the point where it's like we've done a lot of the broad topics at this point, um, and now it's just down to you know specializing on certain things. I got, I got a couple of ideas for a couple of things, but we'll, we'll, we'll hash it out. And, uh, but you know, we'll always come back with something new and entertaining. You, we always do. So um, no worries there, folks. Cool beans. All right. Uh, talk to you guys later. See right, you in the so, wasteland. So yes, that's it folks. We will see you at the wasteland and, uh, we'll see you when we see you. Uh, like I said, we haven't been, uh, Let's we shoot for two, we'll shoot for two weeks again. It might yeah, end up being three. 
Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna try. It's been uh, it's, it's been tough, but uh, hey, we we said this from the beginning. We're not gonna be we're gonna try to be regular, but uh, sometimes we get constipated. So <laughs> I'm wondering if we can do it. Is there a Thanksgiving themed apocalypse? I don't know. Uh, you know, you know what? I that's a good. I was thinking about the holidays. You know, what can we do? You know, the turkey apocalypse. I don't know. Um, yeah, I think I think they already did that on WKRP back in the seventies. I, I swear I thought turkeys could fly, but uh... <laughs> the line that the line that always lives with me in that episode is, "They're hitting the ground like bags of wet cement." <laughs> <laughs> I have never heard a more descriptive, perfectly <laughs> phrased. You know, I did not need to see that. I mean, it just, it just, it's just less nuts than his microphone going, my God, they're hitting the ground like bags of wet cement. We all know what that looks like. Yeah. We, the idea that they don't bounce is the part that's just, because <laughs> they're so fat, they just pow, just spread right out. That's. Yeah, that was a good line. And this, uh, that was the classic line. And then, like, uh, his boss had said, What is he like? As God is my witness, I thought turkeys could fly or something like that. <laughs> that is that is exactly right. That's the line from Gordon Jump. Oh, my God. Anyways. Anyway, folks. So, anyway, thank you for joining us as always. Um, as usual, if you haven't subscribed to the YouTube channel, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, you could find all the episodes on YouTube. I also extract the audio if you just want to listen to us. Those are posted on the blog. They could, uh, uh, usually within the week, I have them posted, and they are also on iTunes. As always, be socially responsible. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Tell your friends. Tell your family. And that's it. So this is Jared. This is Scott. Thank you. See you in the wastelands. Good night.